Thank you, Charlie. Well, good evening, folks. Um, I, I have to confess I'm a little bit uncomfortable tonight because uh, I, I'm not preaching. Um, I'm going to give a word of testimony, and I'll, I'll, ex, I'll, explain, I'll explain why. Um, there are a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, God is, God's been working in my life and in my family in a, in a way that has been a little surprising for us, and, uh, you know, and I wanted to share that with you. And the other piece of it is that um, I've spent the last couple of days in bed uh, sick, and as I've been studying Jonah chapter 4, I just am not ready to preach Jonah chapter 4. I'm still trying to sort through uh, what God wants to say to our, to our church from Jonah chapter 4. Um, and so uh, I would like to share tonight a, a word of testimony. So I moved the, po- the podium down as if that would somehow visually signify, to signify uh, that. And so if you would hear it indeed as a word of testimony, I think there's warrant to do this. Um, the scriptures have many, many texts that remind us of this. One of them is in Psalm 105. The scriptures say, sing to him, sing praises to him, and tell of all his wondrous works. If you were to tell of all of God's wondrous works, how much time like, would you need? Right? It, like, is this just, I mean, what do we do with texts like this? Right? Like, God has done so many good things in our lives, and there are many that we have not spoken of, and, and I, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to tell of all the wonderful things God has done for me. I suppose that's one of the reasons eternity is really long, uh, is that we'll have a lot of praising, uh, like, we got a lot of ground to cover, you know what I mean? Um, because I need to praise God for the things he's done in my life, and I really also want to praise him for the things he's done in your lives. Because it's the same God, and he's doing it for his glory, and he's doing it for our good, and, and I love you, and so I, I want your good, and so we've got, this is part of the Christian, part of the Christian community. Um, so, uh, so if you'll, if you'll bear with me, with those like, how many is that, like four caveats? Let, let, me, let me say a word of prayer, and then I'll, I'll, exp- I'll begin this story and, and try to explain. Father, um, you're really kind to us, and so tonight I am imploring you on behalf of your kindness. Would you encourage us and bless us? Um, would you help us to see that our lives are truly lived before you, and that as Mark has already prayed, that we are completely dependent upon you? Lord, we don't know what sort of difficulties await us. We know that life in a broken world is hard. And so we pray that you would perhaps even now increase our faith. Use the story of the faith of another to help us grow so that we would come to trust you more, even in the darkness. We ask this in your name. Amen. So what I'm going to do is I have a brief three-minute video. And the video is, uh, is is a shortened version of the testimony of my sister Carrie and her husband, Jamin, who are, who are facing some difficulties in, in their pregnancy. Uh, the video was, was filmed to invite folks to come to a celebration of life for their, for their unborn daughter. And so they'll invite you to that. That has already happened. So please do not travel to Asheville uh, this past weekend. We, we went to do that this past weekend. Um, but uh, 
With that being said, let me see if I can get this going. Hi, our names are James and Carrie Quilla, and we wanted to invite you all to a celebration of life party for our daughter, Elizabeth. Carrie's going to share a little bit more about her, and um, for those of you who don't know, a little bit more about her story. So I'm currently pregnant with our first child, who is due on December 11th. And my 20 week ultrasound appointment, we were told that our daughter has a birth defect involving the development of the most babies with this diagnosis do fine in utero and are incredibly active. However, if they survive birth, most won't live longer than a few minutes or hours. We were told that this diagnosis is incompatible with life and that most babies with this diagnosis return. However, our baby girl still has uh, a beautiful heartbeat and I can feel her sweet little kicks. We love our daughter and value her life because she is made we plan on loving her and keeping her as long as the Lord allows We want to treasure the time we have with our daughter and create special memories with her. Her name is Elizabeth Ava. Elizabeth means consecrated to God, and Ava means life. She's a precious life that is consecrated to God, and we plan on celebrating her. Ever since we received her diagnosis, we've fallen more in love with her than I could ever imagine. We sing to her, we read to her, and play with her. Sometimes we poke, in. we poke her and sometimes she pokes back. She is a joy and a treasure every little day. Even though I'm hurting incredibly, I will not lose hope. I will not lose hope um, because I believe in a loving God that has a perfect plan for me, Jana, and our precious baby Elizabeth. I believe sometimes we allow suffering to happen. Not because he wants us to suffer, but because he can use anything, even pain, even loss, for our good in his We felt his presence and incredible peace um, during our, our time of suffering. We felt his presence in circumstances that are too amazing to be coincidental. We felt um, love from family and friends, and we felt We want to invite you, our church family, along with other family and friends, to celebrate Elizabeth's life with us on October 19th at 5 o'clock uh, here at New Life. So we'll be having food and music and fun and sharing more about how we've seen God at work through this whole situation and um, how he's just shown his presence and his love to us despite um, what we've found out about our daughter. So this event is also sponsored by Mary Pregnancy services who have been just an incredible help to us when we've been going through this whole journey of finding out the news and planning for what that looks like birth and even after she um, is gone. So um, we wanted to ask instead of bringing us something, that you bring something, uh, donation for Mount Mary pregnancy so that they can continue to support other moms in similar situations and other moms that um, just need uh, support because they're not sure they have what they need to uh, keep their baby. So um, we look forward to seeing you all there on the 19th. Uh, so th thank you for thank you for watching that with us. Um, so since the video was filmed, um, there have been some complications in Carrie's uh, situation. All, all of the decisions, all of the medical decisions that they have been making have been in order to 
prolong the amount of time that Elizabeth is in the womb. Because when she's in the womb, she's alive. And when she comes out of the womb, she's not going to be alive or survive very long. And so it's been a very strange thing to watch. Doctors are very confused. And they are, they, it's, just, it's been a strange thing to watch. Um, and so the, where things are now, uh, there have been some complications. And so she's not going to be able to carry uh, Elizabeth to full term. So if, um, I won't go into the details there, but um, it looks like that she's going to be induced in the middle of next week. So we probably won't be here next week as we're, as we're working through that. But, but the reason that I wanted to share this with you is, is not to draw attention to our family or to our suffering as if this is some story that is uh, incredibly unique and, and more difficult than the things that you're seeing. It, it's, I really hope that it is not that. Um, I, I'm convinced that we do not need to compare our suffering to others. And that is either up, they have it worse, or down, they don't have it as bad as me. I think that that can be difficult. I often hear people act almost embarrassed to talk about their difficulties. I was talking with some parents who were telling me that they had two children who had the stomach bug. And so their, their world was stinky and lots of Clorox and, and all that sort of thing. And then they suddenly, they were really struggling. And then they suddenly kind of stopped and just said, well, it's not as bad as such and such, you know, as if they felt bad that, that they were facing this trial and that it was hard for them. And, it's, you know, I shouldn't complain because other people have it worse. Now, I think there can certainly be some wisdom and, and godliness for us to remember Thanksgiving, that, that God is being gracious to us even in our difficulties, that things are never as bad as they could be. If you are not in hell right now, you are receiving grace that you do not deserve. That is the story of the Christian life. And so in our darkest pieces of suffering, that, that, that's helpful for us to remember and to see the ways God is upholding our lives. But I also really don't believe that God wants us to diminish or be embarrassed by the ways that we suffer or by the ways that we struggle. Because then, I mean, if we were to follow that logic, then the only person in the world that, that could really be allowed to be hurt is the person who at that moment has the absolute worst circumstances in all the world, right? And, and that's, that, none of us would say that. And more importantly, if you think about Jesus' ministry, Jesus never one-upped someone. Have you, have, you, have you met this person, right, the one-upper? You're telling them something about your life and they just jump in and say how their thing's bigger and more important. Right? Jesus never one-upped someone's suffering. He didn't tell the parents with an epileptic son well, hey, at least he's not dead. I was just working with the centurion the other day, and his servant, well, he was dead. I mean, what are you crying? Like, that wasn't, that wasn't his, his attitude at all. Jesus, in fact, dignified the normal sufferings of everyday life. Here's what I mean. Matthew chapter 15, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I'm unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Jesus had compassion 
on the people because they were hungry. Right? Like, he, he sincerely was worried about, that is, a, that is a minor form. Now, three days without food, my world will fall apart. So maybe, you know, but I, I mean, this is a man who had fasted for 40 days. He had compassion on them. He didn't, he wasn't frustrated that they didn't pack enough food. He had compassion on them in their mild suffering. Friends, it is okay to hurt. Uh, I'm, I'm studying and trying to prepare to preach through uh, psalms of lament and lamentations where we think about what does it mean to hurt before God. And so I pray that this would be something of a precursor. It's okay to hurt. But I think also work to tend our hearts to be sensitive to the suffering and the hurts of other people around us. As I share this story, I'm not trying to to glorify my family's suffering at all. And I don't want to in any way take away from those who are rejoicing over healthy babies or have the prospect of healthy babies. We don't need to silence one another or feel awkward. Frankly, I hope this story makes us more excited when there are babies who are born healthy. But I I do have a couple reasons I want to share this story with you. And that's mainly the way that I've been processing this and and reflecting on some of this. First of all, I've been encouraged by the testimony of two other Christians, Carrie and Jamin. I know you don't know them. I know you've met them on the TV. And, but I've had the chance to see how God has sustained Carrie and Jamin in the midst of crushing grief. Carrie said, I think she said this in the video, we don't understand why God allowed this to happen. But what we do know is that he has never left us. He's been ever-present and has provided us with unexplainable peace. Even though we are hurting incredibly, we will not lose heart. And we will not lose heart because we have hope. We have hope because we believe in a loving God that has a perfect plan for our family. And we believe that he sometimes allows suffering to happen, not because he wants us to suffer, but because he can use anything, pain and loss for our good and his glory. Friends, I would guess that most people in this room know of the truths that they cited. We could probably find them in the Bible. But it's another thing to hear another Christian in the midst of suffering, whether it's our pastor or your neighbor or someone you've never met, say, I've tested these truths and they're true. You need to hear that truth before your dark day comes. And you need to know that other people have paved the way and tested. They've tasted that God is good and they have tested him. And no one has found him to be wanting. That's what our testimonies do. My sister Carrie shared with me, um, just frankly one day, just that God has really used this to get her attention. To, 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 to shake her about how important he is in, in her life. And, and she, she even at one point said, there's been times I've had a cold and stale heart. And now I've had no choice but to see how much I need God. And then she said, it's because of this, (laughs) my daughter's teaching me to love God. The psalmist says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. One of the struggles that I've watched, this has broken my heart watching Carrie and Jamin process this. Carrie's just said again and again, I want her life to count. Right? That's something we've struggled with. How does a life matter in the womb? 
like what is like what is she doing for us? How 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 is she? And I'll share that in a moment. But Carrie has been asked. They've been asking. We want her to count, and that's one of the reasons I appreciate you letting me share this story, because Carrie said, "My little girl's teaching me to trust God, and that's gonna that's fruit. Look what look what God's doing through an unborn child." Right. I've watched this unfold. I've marveled at how God has sustained them. I think one of my biggest fears of suffering is, is that my faith is going to fail. That's, that it'll shake me so much that, that my faith will fail. And I, I, think of, I think of the words from the hymn, When I fear my faith may fail, he will hold me fast. It is so good to see how God sustains Christians in difficulty. Even if it's not your own, even if it's bigger, or if it's smaller. He holds us, and that is something we can praise him for. As Pastor Mark reminded us a few weeks ago, Jesus said, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So I can boast about my weaknesses if it draws attention to God. The second reason I want to share this is because it's caused me to reflect, and I hope for you, to reflect on the sanctity of human life. Carrie and Jamin chosen a path that defies the culture of death around them. When they received the diagnosis, they were expected to terminate the pregnancy. And I, and I won't go into all the details of the ways they've had to interact with physicians who don't even, under, they don't even have a category of how to care. What is there to care for? It's just a mother to care for in their mind. I spoke with a nurse, so the pregnancy center they spoke of is remarkable, and, and I got to speak. They have a nurse on staff that will be in the delivery room with, with Carrie and Jamin, and, and she has spent a major part of her career working for a big hospital, and she spent a lot of time petitioning and arguing that they would provide uh, perinatal hospice care, care for folks who lose children in the womb or right at birth, and and she was told abortion makes that type of care unnecessary. There should be no need for it. And it was even implied to her that, the, that mothers who foolishly choose to put themselves through this are not deserving hospital's resources. That, it, that is the culture down the road, right? Just right, right down the road. That they should almost be, deal with their own grief. For me, watching this, the sanctity of human life has been clarified. For You probably heard it in the video. Clarified in a really particular way. Um, because there's never been a time in my life that, that I've been a part of celebrating life in a womb knowing it will soon end. It's been a strange, it's been a strange thing. We have been celebrating the life she has now, not the life she will have. Very few of us do that, right? We had a celebration of life service for her this past Saturday. It was not a funeral. That's coming later, as it is for all of us. We we're celebrating the life that God has given. Carrie and Jamin have worked in just such fun, creative ways to make every moment of her life count. She, I think she said, we've decided to treasure the time we have with our daughter and create special memories with her. We read with her, sing to her, play games with her, poke her. And she'll poke back. We've pushed her on a swing. We've rocked her. She's even had a father-daughter dance. 
They told me that they've also put her on her father's back and did a piggyback ride. <laughs> All right, they said that we'll enjoy these moments that they have with her daughter. All of their medical decisions have been made to prolong her life as much as possible. Not because it's easier on them. It's not. Life is precious. And God has, has given life. Another way that I want to share this is, I'll, I'll just, these are words Carrie shared this weekend, and I'll, I'll just read, this is from her. She said, another way I felt God's presence is that I did not even have to think about what decision I would make in regards to our baby. God had already prepared me back in January of this year. In January, New York passed a new abortion law. One of the videos I watched on YouTube was by a lady that said she was so thankful for the new abortion law because she had recently had a baby with a fatal heart, a fatal birth defect, and she did not think she would be able to carry that baby. And Carrie said, I remember thinking if I were ever one day in that situation, I would carry that baby and I would love on my baby for as long as I had her. Just unfortunately, just a couple months later, I found that I actually had a similar diagnosis to the lady in the video I had watched. Yet God had prepared me. I did not have to think about the decision I would make. I already knew. I had already processed it. God was gracious to me by allowing me to know what I believed before I was in that situation. God used a video of a lady defending abortion to allow me to pre-process the value of human life. It's so fun to watch how God just frustrates the work of the enemy. But I'd also like to share, if, if you'll bear with me, just how I've wrestled with this question of how do we celebrate Elizabeth's life? How, would you, how do you celebrate life knowing it will end? We, we face this in all sorts of different ways. Perhaps not in the womb, but some of us are caring for aging parents and some of us have seen life deteriorate significantly. How, how do we celebrate life when it's not what we thought it would be or as long as it would be? Well, this past weekend at the Celebration of Life, I had a chance to speak, and, and I've been wrestling with this question of how do we celebrate a life like this? I know that, you know, Carrie and Jamin have been celebrating all of these moments of the pregnancy, reading and singing to her. Um, it's been hilarious to watch, and daddy-daughter dances, and I'm convinced all this is good, and it's right, and it's beautiful. They're grieving and celebrating at the same time. And I'm convinced that her life is worth celebrating. As I've reflected over this over the last several months, one of the verses that has been comforting to me, but also perplexing to me, is a verse that you might have thought of. For you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, O Lord. My soul knows it very well. So, Elizabeth's diagnosis is that her, her, her head is not formed. Uh, she can live in the womb, but she can't live out of the womb. She doesn't have a cranium. There's severe disfigurement. And so we read a verse like this, where God has knitted, knitted her together in, in, in inward parts. What, what do we do with this? Should we praise God for knitting Elizabeth for forming her in the inward part? Should we praise him for his knitting handiwork? Should we call her fearfully and wonderfully made? Should we shake our fists 
and wonder why he messed up. Well, we know what the culture of death says. As I've reflected on Psalm 139 and this call to praise God for a life that we are told will be short, here's the conclusion I've come to. Yes, we absolutely should praise God for Elizabeth's life, for she is indeed wonderfully made. And here's, here's why. Here's how I'm going to try to explain that. Our world is, create, is full of creative beings. God the creator has created creatures to create. <laughs> That's cool, right? Spiders create. Let's see you. I can't tie a, a good knot, right? Like, can you think about how, how, how spiders knit webs, birds craft nests with incredible precision. Poets create beautiful lyrics. Musicians create melodies. Architects design and create bridges. From spiders to beavers, from my son who builds, up, builds stuff to smack it down, right? Like, from artists, engineers, God has created us as creative beings. The world has, particularly humans, and we are many creators. That's, that's, what we, that's what we do. And one thing that all creators have in common is all creations are for a purpose. Right? My son builds a tower to knock it down. Right? He had a creative purpose to smack that thing down. All creations, all design, they have, they have a purpose. No creature of any category not even a spider, creates without a purpose. That comes from God, doesn't it? Because God is the ultimate creator, and God has created Elizabeth. And if things created by insects and animals and fallen human beings can have a purpose, how much more value should the unborn life, how much more value should Elizabeth's life have? God is a very skilled creator. He does not mess things up, ever. Ever, including how he governs his world. And he didn't mess up with Elizabeth. Her dignity and value and worth do not come from the length of her life or the wholeness of her body or the quality of her life. It comes from God. It is not only the well who are fearfully and wonderfully made, but all life. And so we should praise God for what he's made. We've been having some conversations in our house about praising God. This began when we watched the Netflix, well, it's on Netflix, the documentary Planet Earth. If you've not seen Planet Earth, I commend it. I commend it to you, right? Um, it's a bunch of evolutionists. So you're like, wow, look at this accident, right? And we just, <laughs> we just smile, right? Um, but, but there's this episode of all these strange sea creatures that are so deep below the ocean that they don't even have names. And like, we, we, it's pretty evident. We don't really even know what all's down there. Like, sure, we found these weird things. We don't even know like what they are. We can't study them because, you know, we can't go down there. All this, all this cool stuff. It's just, it's just cool. We were sitting there with our kids and we're like, and I asked my daughters, why do you think God made that? Why did God put that exotic, freaky-looking sea monster at the bottom of the ocean for pretty much no one to ever see? I'm sure there's things that no humans will ever see. Why did he do that? For his glory. For his glory. This is a major theme in the Bible, that God has created all things to praise him, even things that we don't see, and even the things we don't give God credit for. God said, let the water swarm, and swarms of living creatures swarmed. Birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. Psalm 148 says, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the deeps. 
Okay, this is Jonah. We're preaching Jonah. Okay, all right, back at it. Psalm 69, let the heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them, right? God made all of them to praise him. If you were to read Job 38 and 40, we don't have time to do this, but it's really fun. Um, There's this theme of God taking delight in creation. And his point is, you haven't even seen it, Job. Right? His whole point is, there's stuff that I'm doing, there's ways I'm sustaining the world, and you haven't even seen it. Right? You weren't, were you there when the mountain goats give birth? And Job's like, no. Right? Have you seen the hail, the storehouses of hail and the storehouses of snow? No, you haven't been there. You haven't seen it. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked across the recesses of the deep? Right? The whole point is, no. God clearly creates creatures for his own pleasure. He creates all the world to praise him and to, for his creation to praise him because of his creation. You remember? What happens if humans don't praise God? He's got a backup plan, right? What are the trees doing? They're clapping their hands. My kids love that, right? God, the the world around us is praising him. All of his creation is to draw attention to his name. All your works, Psalm 145, all your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known the children of man, to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. So after I told all those verses to my kids, we started asking and thinking, I wonder, is there anything in our backyard that no one has ever praised God for? And so we start walking, right? I wonder if anybody's praised God for that acorn. Does God get credit for that acorn? I hadn't given him credit for it yet. Like maybe categorically I've given him credit for acorns. But we start looking at every single thing. What about that dogwood in our backyard? God made it and sustains it. It is bringing praise. Shouldn't we join in that chorus? I wonder if God's, anyone's ever praised God for this particular anger, angle of how the sun comes through the trees and hits the water. Standing in this position, this time of year, this time of day, have you praised God for it? Has anyone? How many of his works have gone unpraised? How many deeds has he done, things he's created, mercies he's shown? How many things have we failed to praise him for? I, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to work against that trend. And I know you want to work against that trend too. And so I invite you to join me in that. The scriptures say, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Elizabeth may never contribute to the economy of this world or add knowledge, but she's been fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And her value is not because she belongs to our family, though we'll grieve her the most, but her value is because she has been made by God. And I think we should all give credit to God for her life. So if you would just in your heart give God praise for that, And think of every other life that you know. God deserves credit. One final thing. God has caused me to reflect on the nature of my own life. Death at any age is really unnatural. Isn't it? 
And this is highlighted when the young die. I mean, Elizabeth's birthday and, and her final day are going to be on the same day. We're, our family's preparing for that. That is not right. <laughs> There's so many things like this that are broken in our world. Marriages that fail, relationships that are fractured, eyes and bodies that stop working. We all grieve the brokenness of our world. You are facing brokenness in all sorts of ways in your life. We grieve that. And the story of the Bible from beginning to end is how God is fixing it. He's come to fix it. And there's a very real sense that we are all born with a birth defect. A fatal birth defect. For because of sin, we will all one day die. And our fate is the same whether we will live for minutes, months, years, or decades. Death is the ultimate birth defect. Whose fault is that? Is that God's fault, the creator? No. We know that. It's the effect of sin, and that's what he's come to fix. Elizabeth's life has reminded me of how glorious the gospel is. That there is hope there's hope on the day of death beside a tiny grave and a tiny casket. This is what Christ has come. And I've also asked myself, how is my life different from Elizabeth's? Is it different because I'm going to live longer than her? I'm, I'm 35, right? Is it different because I've had 35 years or however many years you've had? But that's when the Lord has brought to mind a text that has set with me really different in light of Elizabeth's life. Psalm 39 says, Lord, make me aware of my end and the number of my days so that I will know how short-lived I am. In fact, you have made my days just inches long and my lifespan is as nothing to you. Yes, every human being stands only as a vapor Yes, a person goes about like a mere shadow. Indeed, they rush around in vain, gathering possessions without knowing who will get them. If Elizabeth survives birth, her life, it seems, will likely be just a few minutes. That seems like a vapor to me, right? When, doesn't, if you're to say, what's a vapor? Like That to me seems like a vapor. But the Bible says that before the Lord, my life is a vapor, and Elizabeth's life is a vapor. And your 90-year-old life is a vapor. And I think all this comes together for me to see that to God, the worth and the success of our lives is not determined in how long we live or what we achieve or how many people we bless or how many people we make happy. Elizabeth very well could never breathe a breath on her own outside the womb and still bring glory to God. Is that not a life well lived, right? For she's fearfully and wonderfully made. But on the other side, someone could live 90 years and steal all of those breaths and use them to curse God, to ignore God, to reject God. Instead, to praise the glories of wealth and pleasure and safety. Elizabeth's life has reminded me of something I want to remind you of tonight, hopefully with a testimony that has blessed you. The only thing that matters... It is not the length of your life. It is not the quality of your life. But does your life honor Christ? All of our lives are going to be done in a hundred years. All of them. As the poet once said, "'Tis one life will soon be past. Only what's done 
for Christ will last.